This is Xane Anderson and welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today I am thrilled to have Adam Hart on our show with us today. Adam is an international speaker. He's a best-selling author. He has a mission to help busy parents transform their quality of life. And he is he has an amazing story or two here he can share with us. He's about nervous system regulation and other things that can help us be better parents. Welcome to the show today, Adam. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Xane. Yeah, grateful to have you on the show. You know, as we, I chatted with you a little bit before the show, and I just wanted to, to talk to you about this idea of regulating our emotions, which is, frankly, sometimes super difficult to do as parents. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us your story about how, it's a fantastic story. I'd love to hear a little bit about it. <laughs> For how, sure. How Let's you, dive in. Let's dive in. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Yeah, I mean, um, first off, I want to be clear that what I'm going to share on this is definitely going to pique some interest um, because it's a bit different from what we've heard in terms of how we can live more fulfilled and more connected to loving relationships. And I mentioned before um, we recorded, I, I have a six-step process that we'll dive into parts of these for sure. But if anyone who's listening wants those six steps in more detail, you can grab that off my website. It's clearimpact.io clearimpact.io and it's right there at the very top and um yeah you know and we'll put that in the show notes too for if you're listening you need to get that again thank you yeah well and it gives me freedom now because now my marketing team says okay adam you you, you mentioned it <laughs> so, but it's important because what you know we're we're at a point in history now where we've lost our ability to adapt as humans to modern society and that comes with a lot of symptoms and those symptoms show up for most of us, especially busy parents in the way that our mind functions and the way that our body performs. And I got to a point at a young age when I got very lucky that it happened when I was young, that my body and mind began to break down because of the amount of stress I was under in my 20s. It started from childhood, but by the time I was mid 20, I was in really rough shape. And it took something for me to begin to unravel what what's the right path to start to reignite this natural connection to our own energy in a way that had me feeling more fulfilled, but it was definitely quite the journey. Now, it's, I guess a starting point would be, you know, in my rock bottom moment in my twenties, I was pre-diabetic. I was overweight. I was suffering with ADHD. I was um, suffering with anxiety, depression, and my aha moment came when I discovered rock climbing. And that was my portal in to a deepening of a understanding and a connection to my own, my own fulfillment in a way where I started to realize that I could push through my limiting thoughts in a way that nobody ever taught me before that I could do or told me I was able to do. How so? I'd like to hear more about that. Well, in the sport of climbing, you're actually in a very um, real fight or flight, anxious inducing experience. And so as I started climbing, I became quite addicted to it as a sport and as an escape from my life, because it kept giving me these moments of peace. Because when you're climbing, you have to be focused, you have to tune out the 70,000 thoughts a day that we have on average. And a lot of my thoughts growing up were very much about self-esteem and self-worth and, and a lot of self-negative talk that kept knocking me down, knocking me down. And, you know, that 
carried on into my 20s. And then through climbing, just the act of being present through climbing showed me that I actually can reset my own stress response in the moments of life that my brain is trying to run amok. Wow. Did you that to me is so profound. You found a way to reset, to change how you reacted to stress because of climbing. In the moment, in the moments, you know, that's the only way that I could keep climbing is I had to control my anxiety. And, you know, I, I got pretty heavy into it. I started to chase it as a career. I was going to become a, a rock climbing mountain guide. Um, I live out in British Columbia, Canada, in a town called Squamish. And so for any rock climbers out there, you're going to know, I mean, Squamish is a, uh, a world-renowned location for climbing. And, you know, I'd be up on the side of our wall that we have here. It's called the Chief. And it's hundreds of feet. And I would go into a panic attack. And that's, you know, that can't happen. <laughs> but the feeling that I would have up there and my mind telling me all sorts of things, oh, Adam, you're, you know, you, you can't control this scenario. You, you know, it would love to play with my breathing. It would, my mind would trip me up and say, oh, you, you're having trouble breathing now. And these were all old anxieties that I used to have, you know, living in the city center that I was, that I grew up in in Toronto. And my mind did the same tricks to me there, but I didn't know how to control it there. So you were literally on the side of a cliff, hundreds of feet up, having a panic attack and in, a, <laughs> in a true fight or flight situation where your body's saying, what is going on here? Real. And somehow it sounds like you were able to learn this nervous system regulation. I mean, tell us about that. Tell, I mean, yeah. Well, I, you know, I found myself doing a very specific practice while in those moments, especially in climbing where. I would put my, I would have to close my eyes and put my hands on the rock and stick my forehead on the rock and really just control my breathing. And as I was getting more and more familiar with my ability to reset this, reset my stress response, I recognized pretty quick that as long as I did this very specific breath practice, I would open my eyes and I would have my power back. I would feel at peace again. What was that breath practice? Like what? Yeah. What, what and so exactly? this is the basis of all my work, <laughs> right? It's, it's like, I discovered this 20 years ago through climbing and, you know, and we'll go into the breath practice. But what I realized was, is I actually had the ability to shift my own power in that moment back to my parasympathetic, the calm, rest and digest regulated nervous system in a way where I could think cleaner and clearer and have more physical endurance and, and the immediacy of those results got me to understand, wait a minute, so I am anxious like this in so many other areas of my life with my kids when they're getting loud and I, my nervous system starts to rev up and my brain's like, yay, let's feed off of this stress response now because the brain loves the adrenaline. And so I started to bring it into the, those moments and I'd bring it in waiting in line at the grocery store when I get frustrated or in my car in traffic and having road rage, which I used to have a lot of. I could reset my own response in the same moments over and over again. Wow. You're giving me tingles as you say this, Adam. And I got to tell you why. The reason I'm feeling tingles here is because here you are on a cliff trying to reset how I'm feeling because I'm having a panic attack on the side of this cliff hundreds of feet up. But it can be used in a parenting moment yeah. or in a moment, a stressful moment where you're triggered with a spouse or in a traffic jam or at a grocery store, like you're saying. This is super profound because it's probably the same type of process to, to reset yourself. Is that what That's I'm saying? 
That's it, right? And so the breath practice itself, which you do in under a minute, it actually takes 33 seconds to do. You are turning your ability to utilize the energy of your heart into the equation. So you're, you're teaching your nervous system to send a beautiful signal through the vagus nerve to the brain to teach the brain that it doesn't have to use triggering thoughts. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, this is the first time that we actually have space to do that since childhood. You know, all the stressors we have from childhood, the brain is learning from those stressors. And it starts to lock us into pattern ways of thinking about ourselves because the brain as a survival organ only wants the reactivity. It wants the hormones from our reaction to the thoughts. It wants the adrenaline. So, and it wants the dopamine from whatever habits you use to escape afterwards, whether for kids, it's a lot of sugar like myself, and it's a lot of uh, videos and screens. For adults, there's a lot of alcohol and drugs that we use and social media again and sugar. And so it's, it's how do you create this moment of space to play with your own biology in the, in the moments that matter most to you? So that you're not a sab you're not sabotaged by the way your brain's using thoughts, and it eventually leads to you being able to transform the actions you take, which is you know it's the most profound possibility that we have in our lives to work with those those moments between what we think and, and how we act. I love that. So let me ask you this: as you're having this, let's say a panic attack is about to set on. Are there things that you recognize, say, oh, I can say, or I can, I'm about to get triggered because this one situation that tends to make me angry or tends to make me stressed is starting to come on. What, what clues can people look at to say, oh, wait, I'm starting to go down that road. Yeah. What should they yeah. be looking for? Well, and that's it. I mean, most of us don't even realize we're stuck in a perpetual state of anxiety. You know, the fight or flight stress response is something that we now spend most of our lives engaged in one way or another within that, that dominant sympathetic state. And so that comes with a lot of symptoms. I mean, we hear a lot about uh, this idea of adrenal fatigue and, you know, there's so many symptoms that when you are stuck in a stress response, the number one symptom you're going to have is inflammation. So the inflammatory response then leads to all sorts of things, lots of skin, different skin, different skin issues, You'll have um, sleep issues. You're going to have weight issues. You're going to have mental issues in terms of brain fog and, and feeling depleted a lot, you know, agitated emotions. These are all coming from the same place. The thing is, is in our society, we tend to be sold solutions outside of working with your nervous system. We're sold a, another diet to go on or another fitness program is your solution even meditation. I mean, these are all beautiful things, but the foundation is still off. The relationship between your own nervous system and the way your brain is operating is still off. And until we can teach the brain to let go of certain pattern ways of thinking that it's got us locked into, we'll never have freedom. And again, there's an urgency to this because we need a next generation of kids to understand what it's like to be brought up with parents who know how to regulate their stress response. And right now we don't have that. We don't. So we have parents who I feel angry, so I'm going to start yelling. I feel angry, so I'm going to I'm going to snap at my kids. I'm feeling stressed and anxious, and so I'm going to say or things that do things that maybe I regret later, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And you, and you, and those all have an emotional frequency to those. They all have a feeling that come with them that, you know, when you pull yourself back from those, you feel pretty crappy about it, you know, and maybe you feel guilty for the way you just reacted to your spouse or your kids, you know, and it's not about being perfect at this, but it's knowing that there actually is a way to work with your own brain's desire to get you to react in, in those heated ways but in a way where you can, you have more choice, where you can choose to actually decide, well, wait a minute, I don't want to snap at my kids in this moment. So what, they don't want to eat the same things I've made and they're asking for this, they're asking for that. And instead of reacting, just creating space for feeling your own peace and calm around it, it opens this doorway for a whole other way to interact with your kids that, again, a lot of us will never experience. Now, I know they can go and get your six-step roadmap on your training.clearimpact.io, which is going to be in the show notes here. But I'm, can you give us some pointers now? Like, you know, I'm feeling this, this anxiety come up in a, in a new kind of spike and I'm starting, I'm, I'm about to say something or maybe it's that same fight or flight response. Give us a few pointers now that, you, that for parents who are, want to regulate this, but maybe are having difficulty. Like, what would you tell parents who say, yeah, I, I feel bad because I kind of snap at my kids, but I, I'm trying to regulate it. What would you tell those? What would you say? What would you say? Yeah. Well, I mean, the number one in that process, first off, is we just have to start noticing, you know, paying attention to what our patterns are. Right. So like saying, if I asked you, I mean, is there one that you notice in terms of your own pattern that shows up where you recognize you're a little reactive or a lot reactive that you'd like to see a shift around? You're saying a shift around a certain thought pattern or certain situation or something like that? Yeah, yeah, because you'll know it. I mean, it, it, it'll it show up multiple times in your life, whether it's in a work setting, whether it's at a home setting, it's going to have a pattern to it. And usually sure. it's easy to find in terms of how you talk about yourself, but also how you how your relationships are unfolding. Sure. Well, you know, sometimes if I'm really tired and something unexpected happens, you know, or, or somebody says something that... Uh, I interpret as being uh, disrespectful or something like that. I sometimes would have a tendency to, to say, well, gosh, and, and be a little more intense than I wish that I was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I can, I can tell it's probably that anxiety, that response. And I, I think it generally, you know, for me personally, if I'm tired or maybe I haven't eaten right and something that feels a little bit, uh, you know, uh, I guess I could use the word, you know, disrespectful or something like that. I sometimes have reacted in ways that I'm not proud of. Yeah. Yeah. There's you, you feel a, a, a very distinct trigger to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause everything's language, you know, all, all, all the thoughts that we have and all the words that we, we say, they have a frequency to them, you know, and it's, it, and, and we don't recognize this, this idea of the quantum physics of this, the quantum field, universe, God, whatever we want to call it. There's an energy to everything that we are thinking and saying. And when we're interacting with another, a lot of what they are saying and thinking is going to poke at us. And so we don't even recognize that this is happening in the background. It's, it's their brain versus our brain. And you know we've self-identified with so many of these thoughts as who we are, our stories, or we can call it our ego that that's how we live our lives. And yet we're having these, these interactions with others that most of us now are living very reactive lives with each other. And so it's being able to recognize, okay, so if this is happening to me and I, and if I can pay attention to this pattern, when am I feeling triggered in my relationship? 
you can start to work with that moment. One, we have to identify that that's a pattern that's happening. Maybe it happens once every few weeks. Maybe it happens once every few hours, you know, depending on who you are. It is a pattern that your brain has you locked into. And so when you notice it in the moment that it starts to create that anxiety, you can then work with your own mind in that moment through this 33 second breath practice that's called heart flow to train your mind to not throw you into reactivity. All right, this today I was listening to Mel Robbins. I don't know if you know Mel Robbins at all, pretty popular. And she was talking about the, the power of mastering the five seconds, the five seconds between what you think and then how you act. And she's so spot on. And my sense is it's not like five seconds is a long time. It almost takes us a lot more. Um, it's a lot shorter of a time frame to be able to notice, but we have to be willing to notice our own patterns to then work with them. And once you notice one of them, then you have to honor that five second space by working with your own biology to reset your brain's desire to lock you into being reactive around that thought. Because what happens next is a whole doorway opens to start to go down a different pathway around that disruption. If that makes sense. Right. Tell us some of the things that you would actually think or do in these, in this 33 seconds. Yeah. So, well, for example, I mean, that's just one of my old ones is I would have a lot of resentment towards my wife and, you know, I'd come down in the morning and the kitchen would be messy. And I'd just be like, Oh my God, does she even care about me? And, you know, all these thoughts would enter my mind. And and this is many years ago. And it was one of those patterns that I didn't recognize for a little while that my brain has just locked me into thinking about my partner in this way, because it knows that if I react to those thoughts, it's going to get adrenaline from my anxiety. Mm. And so I, I, I would come down in the morning, you know, once I identified this, this pattern, and this takes time because when you start to identify patterns and you work with them, your brain lets go of the use of them, but then other ones show up. So you are, you're always learning to clean up these patterns that keeps bringing you access to more presence, which is so phenomenal. But I would come down in the morning and I would notice my mind doing it again. And so that would be the moment to say, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I love my wife. I don't need to think about these kinds of thoughts about her. Yeah. So it's dirty. I'll deal with the kitchen. I'll clean it up in a way where I'm in love with the experience and not resentful. And I would do the heart flow practice. So this is the 33 second breath practice where it's a cycled breath practice of four seconds in seven seconds out. This is what I was doing climbing that I brought into everyday uh, experience. And in the four and seven out, I would just really connect to my heart with my hand. And you feel you actually put your hand on your heart. Putting my heart, yeah, my hand on my heart. Three intentional breaths, four in, seven out, which is 33 seconds, right? 33 seconds. And it's so this particular breath practice is based off of what's called HRV, heart rate variability. So it's an actual, the science of it and the neuroscience of this is the fact that you're actually resetting your own nervous system back into the parasympathetic. You're creating a coherent signal up your vagus nerve. So now you have this beautiful connection from your heart going up your vagus nerve to the frontal lobe of your brain to tell your brain that it's safe. Hey, you're okay. You don't have to feed off, off, off my hormones right now. Mm-hmm. Just relax, take it easy. And now, you know, after, and when I work with my clients, there's a three month process in the first month, that's all you're learning to do is understand how to nourish your own brain in this way so that you can flip the switch on the relationship 
where you're in love with your brain and you're feeding it healthy, and I call it intelligent health, versus letting your brain just keep feeding off of your body in a way where you're depleted all the time. We just have to flip the switch. And so I just kept doing that. You know, every morning I'd come down, I'd notice my brain get upset and I would just do the 33 seconds. And then after a little while, the brain will let go of the thought because you're no longer triggered. And that's when all of a sudden that resentment was gone. I did the same thing with my sugar addiction. I know maybe we're going to touch on this, but you know, I had a pretty heavy sugar addiction. And every time my brain would say, go get the, go get the cookies, Adam, go get the cookies. I'd stop myself at the cupboard. I'd have the cookies in my hand and I'd just be like, okay, hold on. I'm going to reset this. And I'm going to feel the feelings of what I want to feel as the alternative. Instead of being reactive to cookies, what I want is a, as an alternative. I want to be fit. I am fit. I'm, I'm, I'm super strong. I'm, I got a clear mind, you know, all the intentional energy and that's how I transform the sugar addiction. I love that. You And you've heard people say, you know, like when you're stressed out, some people say, well, take a deep breath. And really there's some power. And, and you're saying three deep breaths that are intentional, four in, seven out is enough to tell that, tell your brain that, hey, things are okay. We don't yeah. need to go to fight or flight. We just need yeah. to be calm and stay, as you say, in the parasympathetic mode, basically. Yeah. And you know, and it's got a natural, a natural energy to it that we just don't know it because we haven't cultivated a, a deep enough relationship with our own biology in that way to know what the parasympathetic state really feels like. We know very well what the anxious state feels like because it's where most of us live. We're always one step ahead and we're always thinking about our past in certain ways. And, you know, there's no, not much presence in that. And we're always chasing to fix something that's not quite working because that's the state of how we're operating. So if we learn how to flip this switch, well, then all of a sudden you're playing from a different playing field. You actually have your critical thought with you and you have a body that's performing in an optimal state, but you're also emotionally sending out a frequency of really deep gratitude for life in a way where you manifest being in service to others in a way where you don't give up your energy to serve others. You're co-regulating them in a way, and this is what happens with our kids and how we create co-regulated homes where our kids feel peaceful and feel loved. It comes from the regulation of our own stress response and our ability to live in the parasympathetic state sends the frequency to them, not the words that we say, it's nice, but it's the frequency we're holding that makes them and gives them the experience of feeling loved and nourished. And that's, again, why for me, so it's so important that more, at least especially parents, understand that they don't have to overhaul their lifestyles to get themselves back on track. They just have to see the power in working with their own nervous system and finding the right solutions that fit in that's going to bring them more peace and calm immediately. Right. So as a parent, when if I'm starting to feel that trigger, that I'm starting to feel that, oh, you know, I want to... I have a few seconds there, five seconds or maybe more or less, where I can actually make a conscious choice and say, okay, what am I thinking that's causing this feeling? And, and consciously say, wait a second, you know, does it really mean that because this is happening, I need to, to feel this way? You know, what you were saying about like with your wife, for example, when you say, if the dishes aren't done, that means she doesn't love me. Well, maybe that doesn't mean that, right? It means uh, something else. And, and then at that same time, take the time to take a few deep, really intentional breaths, breaths to say, you know what, we're not going to be addicted to 
the adrenaline or to the hormones that flow through that make us go to fight or flight. Yeah. I really like how you said too, and, and I'll just touch on this briefly. You say, you know, this addiction to sugar, this addiction to anything, we have almost an addiction to being stressed out, to being in this suspense, stressed out yeah. kind of state. Yeah. And, and we need to be able to break that addiction. Well, it's an, it, it's an addiction to overthinking and it's not our fault. It's just the way the brain is designed to operate. The brain, again, it, it's designed to survive. And so it wants energy. And the more it can produce thoughts that we react to, the more energy it gets. And mm -hmm. so we've just haven't been really uh, given the right, the right access to that information. I mean, it's something that we all should know from the minute we're born through the relationship with our own parents and how they regulate. And as we grow up, it's the first thing we're teaching our kids as they stub their toe or get in their first bully, bully experience or, you know, or have their first breakups or do bad on a test. And they feel the stress of that. These are the moments that we have the ability to teach our kids how to regulate. We just, we've never been taught this stuff, but yet it's the basics of our human experience and our nervous system is our superpowers but yet we're not taught how to regulate it. And mm -hmm. it should be in every school at every, at every grade. It should be the start of everybody's day. It should be how they interact all day long, you know, but and, yeah. And, and since it's not, you know, as parents, we're kind of the, the school for our children in reality. I mean, they say there's three things that are important with, with teaching others. And one of them's example. And one of them's example. And the other one's example, right? When right. we can give them an example of, Hey, Mom and dad are in control, even when they're stressed, they know That's how right. to, how to, how to regulate emotionally. And that gives the children permission to say, you know what, even if it's stressful, I saw my dad not be stressed or I saw my mom not be stressed and I saw them handle it in a really calm way and take a few breaths. And we can teach, we could teach that to them, which can impact generations from now, rather than just maybe it would help much more than just in this small moment where it did help. It, it, it can be passed on for a long time. Yeah. I mean, and it has an energy of its own and, and, you know, in the work that I do around this, it's all, it's, it's a community based experience because it has to be, you know, being in a co-regulated community is something that we just have lost touch with. We used to live in, you know, small communities or tribes back in the day, and you would have your elders to learn from, and you would have other adults, you know, interacting with, with young children and all different age groups, interacting with each other and learning from each other. And, and, the amount of stressors there was stress absolutely it was came in the form pretty much of of having to to secure food but it wasn't so acute as it is now where at almost every moment of every day we're under these nervous system disruptors that we don't even realize are happening and we consider them to be normal in our right, culture like devices or cell phones or, yeah i mean artificial artificial light is the number one disruptor of the nervous system. You know, it's not that we have to go live in caves, but you have to know that when you wake up in the morning and you turn on your lights, you're now working at a deficit. You know, you, the blue lights that come off of the, uh, that frequency of, uh, of light bulbs that dominate our homes interrupt the natural circadian rhythm, the 24 hour light cycle of our, of our biology. And so right when we turn on the lights in the morning, we're, we're in a fight or flight state without even realizing it. Your brain's working at a diminished capacity. It's like most of my clients who I start to work with, that's the big one is I can't wake up feeling well-rested and feeling 
like I'm ready to, to, and motivated and excited for my day. Well, there's some small things that we can start to do to, to mitigate a lot of what we think are normal in our society. But at the core, it's being able to work with your own mind is the, by far the most powerful. Right. So I'd like to backtrack just a little bit. So tell us, can you tell us in more detail? Here you are on the side of this cliff. Tell us what you were experiencing with this panic attack. I'd like to hear a little more detail about here I am having a panic attack and I'm almost ready to lose it. And then I was able to do this exact. I'd like to hear that that yeah. story if you wouldn't mind sharing it with us. Well, you know, and 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 I I really recognize that. I stopped myself for so long from moving into places that create that created fear or when the fear would come up, I would stop myself and just get back to being comfortable again and not move into those, those moments of really powerful growth. And, you know, there's a large part of how a lot of us are showing up these days where we're not willing to push ourselves even just a little bit out of our comfort zone. Yet that's where all of the beauty of life is experienced. We have to be willing to push. Right. But when you know it's how to regulate. It's not about staying safe in bed. It's about saying, okay, I'm going to push my comfort zone, but I'm somehow going to still regulate so I can have those beautiful moments of growth. Well, and that's it. I mean, I think the majority of us, if we knew there was a way to push into those, those moments of fear, but in a way where we can, we can regulate it a little bit more than just you know, almost like you're just all in without a, without a rope to hold you, you know, like in climbing, a great example is free soloing. Well, that's, you know, if you don't do that, well, you're dead because you fall, you're dead. Right. At least my climbing, right. I have a rope, but you know, this is, it's like having a rope when you have these six steps where you can, you can allow yourself to push into these areas that normally you would find very uncomfortable because you have to, otherwise, what's the point? You're not living, you're slowly dying. Growth is in those moments. And so climbing for me taught me that. And it kept giving me these moments of, of pushing myself into that anxiety, using this particular breath practice to notice my own pattern of feeling anxious and being able to slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. And so, you know, many times I've been up in that moment of, of just complete gripped and not able to move and you know, you know, you look to the side and it's just like this massive span of air everywhere. And you look around the other side and it's just more air everywhere. And all there is, is this big rock and it, it, right staring you in the face. And you, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's quite terrifying, but it's not an adrenaline inducing sport. Like a lot of other sports, which is what makes climbing so unique is it's one that you're immersed in for hours and hours and hours in a day you know, sometimes multiple days. And so it becomes this continual game of playing with that stress response over and over and over. It's not like you're jumping off in a, uh, out of a, out of an airplane and, and, you know, doing a skydive where it lasts for eight seconds and then you're skydiving down. And after 20 minutes, you're done. This is hours and hours and hours of playing with this response. And you really realize pretty quick that moving into these places that create anxiety, but having the ability to control them or at least manage them better, the way they translate into everyday life, it's just so unbelievable. You know, and again, it's just, we just need to know that there is a way to begin to do this without having to go rock climb and, and get yourself completely scared the way that I learned this. But there, there, there just has to be a strong willingness 
to pay attention to where you have your own moments of anxiety and being willing to work with your own mind around them. You know, biologically, how do you reset your own stress response using the heart flow breath practice, which is part of that six steps. So when anybody downloads it, they'll, they'll get access to that breath practice. I love this. This is, and, and kind of to make a, a, an example of how this could apply to parenting. I mean, sometimes it's not just eight seconds of parenting. I mean, sometimes you're parenting for hours and hours, as you said, days yeah. on end, and you're feeling a little bit stress and the, the volume goes up, or you may be dealing with some, some situations as a parent, you know, cranky kids or kids who are quarreling or kids who are, uh, fighting or, or, or just need your sure. attention and how do you regulate that response? Can yeah. you give us though, like just a little bit, can you briefly run through those six steps? Even if we don't go into detail, I'm sure they'll need to go. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Maybe give us a, a brief test, test, test of each step. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, I'll just take you through a quick day in my life too, just in terms of where I use this with my kids. My kids are eight and 11 and the minute they get up, I have to, I have to regulate. You know, we're in the kitchen and they want to just eat everything possible. And it's like, okay, I have to just relax my stress around their, their eating, getting them out the door, getting them dressed with all their clothes before they get out the door always is a stressor. And I have to practice, you know, it doesn't stop and it's not about being perfect, but you know, the kids are a big one in terms of recognizing that life becomes your training ground. That's right. And the more we're willing to notice our own patterns, we can work with them. So the six steps, number one is, is again, this idea of starting to pay attention. So start to mind map, you know, where am I feeling frustrated about my life, my, my relationships, my career, my finance, and my health. Those are the key four. Mm -hmm. All right. And then what's my self-talk like? How is, how am I feeling about myself? You know, when I look in the mirror, where's my self-worth at? What are those underlying thoughts that might come up? You're going to start to notice patterns in those areas. You only really want to get this started. You just want to pick one. Pick one to work with, which then leads to step two. In the moments you're noticing that one trigger showing up, which will be multiple times a day, you're going to use heart flow, the 33-second breath practice to reset your mind's use of that trigger. Okay, in the moment that you're doing heart flow, you're then going to start to become familiar with step three, which is starting to connect emotionally to how you want that experience to be as an alternative. What do you want? This is where a lot of us get tripped up. We're so good at knowing what we don't want. We get stuck in the emotional frequency of what we don't like and wanting to fix whatever that is, that it perpetuates our experience and our time living in it. But do we take the time to like start focusing on what we do want? Like I and don't want hardly to ever. And people, if you could take that shift to calm down and say, okay, now I'm going to focus on the desired outcome, That's what it. I want to feel around this or what I'd like That's to it. see around this. And what happens when you're doing this in this way is you're actually starting from a parasympathetic nervous system to change your own emotional frequency. This is the key to manifestation. Most of us don't realize this. And a lot of law of attraction manifestation talk does not talk about this, but this is what manifestation comes from. It's the emotional frequency of your nervous system. And so when you learn to play with it in the moments of life like this, and you start to get in tune with what you do want, you will begin to manifest the emotional frequency of that. It might not be the exact outcome, but it's the frequency of the emotion that you're attracting. So then the next piece of that, number four, is to just learn how to continue to activate this. Activating meaning, how do I keep holding the emotions of what I do want? And that comes from repetition, 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 repetition. You're going to start to grow the amount of time you're living 
present in the emotions of what you do want. They begin to show up all around you, but you'll have more ability to notice them as you gain more strength and hold, hold yourself to doing this practice to where you're going to recognize pretty quick, wow, I actually do have a choice in almost every area of my life to create a really beautiful shift. I like what you just said. I got to interrupt you. Yeah. I have a choice. Yeah. Say what you just said there again to create. Well, it, it, you know, and I talk, I say this to my kids all the time, you know, I, the reason why I keep sharing this with you guys, and I don't change my script with my kid. It's always the same. They know it's the breath is the access. They know these steps, mm -hmm. but I always say to them, I said, listen, okay. One is you, you're training your subconscious to begin to believe this is who you are. And that's important. But two is you're starting to make choice from a conscious place, not just a reactive brain, think sugar in, think consume social media. You're actually doing it from a place where you have consciousness to that choice. That is really right. powerful. Um, well, because, and it also, it starts to teach you this ability to pay more attention to how things are showing up in your life in a way where you start to connect the dots and you realize, wow, when I reset myself, in these moments and put that feeling in that's why this just happened that's why i just had this amazing conversation with this person on the street that made me feel so joyful it's because that's what you the emotional frequency you had put in you know an hour earlier when you did this practice so the the more we can start to utilize and this is step number five is it's called the moments of life you know you, you're starting to really notice in the moments of your life more and more of these opportunities to teach your mind to let go, feel safe through your heart, bring your energy back online, your brain starts working even much more magically than we ever thought it could. And you're present in a way where you can take really inspired action for what's showing up in your life next. Step six is then is the ability to optimize this. And so this is all about having that really beautiful, strong foundation, that relationship between our own brain and our nervous system. After we've got that established, which again, that's kind of the first month when I work with my clients, step number six is to optimize it. That's the back half of the program. But in, in number six, in terms of the six steps is now you can start to look at holistic wellness in a way that will actually improve your resilience without creating a stress response. And so these areas are the main key areas of wellness, our sleep, our nutrition, our fitness, our relationships around us and our environment around us. And so I take my clients through a series of practices around all of those areas where you can learn subtle things to boost your nervous system energy in a way where those things aren't causing stress on top of your life. And by the end of those six, if you've implemented them well, you're going to live really fulfilled and really purposeful in, uh, in a short period of time. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for sharing this with us, Adam. I appreciate this. And again, tell us where we can, can, can get a hold of you and get a hold of these six steps of unleashing your energy, your roadmap. Yeah. Well, the website's the main spot, which is clearimpact.io and uh, yeah, clearimpact.io. And if anybody is really resonating with this message, I'm happy to share uh, in the show notes as well, um, a link to book a 30 minute uh, breakthrough call with any of your listeners who feel there's value. It, um, yeah, it'll be with myself or possibly one of my, my coaches, but I'm happy to support anybody who's ready to really ignite, um, this work into their lives. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for being a resource to our listeners here. 
And um, such a valuable thing to be able to regulate your emotions in times of high stress when we're feeling triggered or anxious as parents. Something I know I could use. I'm sure many of our listeners have felt that, that why am I not able to get a hold of that? Um, thank you again for being on the show and feel free to reach out to Adam. Adam, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Exxon.